Welcome to the Digital Parenting Life Podcast, where we chat about navigating all things related to parenting in the digital age with your host, Christine Stokes-Beverly. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of our podcast. Today, I have a fellow educator and good sister friend of mine uh, joining us. I will let her introduce herself to you. Hey, Robin, how are you? Hi, Christine. How are you? I'm great. (laughs) I am great. (laughs) The sun is shining when we are recording, so that is great. (laughs) (laughs) So I know what you do, you know, Mm -hmm. but those listening to the podcast may not. So if you, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I've been in the education field for uh, 21 years now, and I am currently um, a middle school assistant principal. Okay, awesome, awesome. So for the listeners, um, what we're going to be talking about today is just um, what we see as educators, um, because I'm an educator as well, for those listening, um, if you haven't heard the introductory episode. And we're just talking about, you know, what we see in our schools as it relates to digital devices. And um, so we're just going to jump right in. So, Robin, you're a seasoned educator. Um, What have you noticed over the years um, as it relates to cell phones and children? Because, you know, we, you know, both of us are seasoned educators and, you know, we've watched we've watched it go from, you know, maybe one or two kids might have a phone and then it's completely different now. So are, you know, what are you seeing? And are the students with phones getting younger and younger? (laughs) No, that's a very good question. (laughs) Um, Yes, I will definitely say over the years, I've seen a significant change Mm -hmm. in regards to students with cell phones. I remember a time when a parent needed to relay information to their child, they would just call the office Um, The office manager would give me the information as a teacher, and then I would relay the information. But now over the years, I've seen more and more kids um, deeply involved in extracurricular activities. And parents' um, jobs are much more demanding. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when those last-minute changes need to be made, um, I think parents um, understand that, you know, the office manager may not get that email in an expeditious manner. Right. And so they really feel the need to, you know, have their child have a cell phone so they can text message and just send a really quick message. You know, I'm going to be 10 to 15 minutes late, which right. is very which is very much needed. I mean, anything can happen. You know, I I run carpool outside every day at my school and, you know, parents are constantly texting their kids saying I'm going to be 15 minutes late or go ahead and take the bus instead of, you know, um, waiting for me at carpool. Um, I find that to be very resourceful and very needed um, in this day and age. Um, I do find that students are much younger with cell phones. I see kids as young as fifth grade with um, cell phones, not Mm -hmm. to say that it isn't needed. Right. But I will say developmentally, particularly for um, within the fifth and sixth grade range, we're talking about pre-adolescence here with the ages of 10, 11, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that prefrontal cortex um, is not, is definitely not yet developed. It doesn't develop until the ages of 21 or 22. Mm -hmm. Seven and eighth graders are are much more mature handling a cell handling a cell phone and the responsibilities that come with it. But right. fifth and sixth grader, they're much more in the mindset of investigating and kind of using the phone or having the phone kind of as um, something to keep them occupied. Right. And so when you follow along that lines and you give a child a very sophisticated device, 
like a cell phone that you can download apps and you can text message and you can instant message and you can group chat, um, then you're going into very um, dangerous terrain without the proper kind of due diligence that's needed for a child to be able to handle a sophisticated device like a cell phone properly. And, you know, I, I agree with you there because, you know, um, you know, I have two um, two children, you know, I have a, mm-hmm. I have a 14 year old, you know, and I have yeah. a nine year old and the nine year old, he does not have a phone yet, but at right. his school, um, because I'm so familiar with the school because his older brother went to school there. So, you know, I'm very familiar right. with the policies. There are kids in his school, you know, in third grade, fourth yeah. grade, fifth grade, like you say, they have phones. And, you yes. know, the school does something that I will say that I like. They have a box at, um, in the main office. And when the kids come in, they have to put the phones in the box. So the oh, phone can't that. even go in the classroom. It, it yeah. has to go in the box. And, you know, um, I, I like that um, because I, I will, idea. you know, I will say I know of I know people who have kids around my youngest stage and I'm they've mentioned in conversation, yeah, let me text so-and-so and tell them da 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 you know. Right. And in my head, I've been like, wow, you guys can do that because I know, <laughs> I know in my youngest school, <laughs> I know that principal, I know what she, you know, she's been very clear of what's not happening, you know, you know, yeah. because they're so much younger. Um, and you also bring up a really good point about um, just things, because my oldest has a phone. And um, even though he's in high school, it's been so helpful um, for me to send him a quick message if there's a day that he's not taking the bus home and I can say, hey, I'm stuck in traffic, you know, right? sit tight for 20 minutes, you know, resourceful. Exactly. And and, and as an administrator, you know, I totally understand that there are times in which you really need to get in touch with your child. But if, if your child attends a school such as mine, where we do not have students that are to carry their devices they have to keep their device you know in their locker mm-hmm. and they can't have their device until the end of the school day and even then during carpool if they're with me um unless they're checking you know if, uh, unless they're receiving a call from their parent or they're checking a text message with permission they're not allowed to have their cell phone so it's almost like we're back at square one particularly for the younger children that if there's anything to that extreme that you need to contact your child we always recommend the parents you know Call the office, right? And that information will be sent expeditiously, expeditiously to me or my colleague, right? Um, you know, the principal, and we'll do what we can. For a seven and eighth grader, it's a little different, Lily, because they're moving into a different um, kind of developmental stage where they're much more mature to handle the cell phone, right? But you know, for me, you know, I do feel that fifth and sixth grade is a tad bit young to have a sophisticated device. Um, you know, such as many of the devices that are out now that cost anywhere between eight and a thousand, you know, eight hundred to a thousand dollars that you can kind of go to and get kind of a lower level cell phone where it only has text messaging, right? And able to take, you know, to take and re- you know to receive calls or outgoing calls, right? And incoming calls, and that's about it, right? I mean, um, but I do understand the benefits of having a cell phone in this day and age because you know we we have to send information as quickly as possible to other people, right? And Text messaging is, you know, kind of the, the, the 2020, 19, you know, 2019, 2020 version of communicating. Exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, that's had its advantages and disadvantages, too. But I'm sure that's another conversation. Right. <laughs> 
Absolutely. It's like a, yeah. I, I, we can have all the conversations about, you know, wait a oh minute, we're really putting a mini computer in our kids' pockets. That's really, in essence, that's really what you're doing without without the child really understanding, you know, it, it's, it's a benefit, but also I think it's important for families to sit down and really have very in-depth conversations about what it means to have this device. Absolutely. Um, you know, and to have ongoing conversations. It can't just be a one-off as soon as you take it out of the box. Okay, here's your cell phone. Right. Be responsible with it. But with a fifth, a sixth grader, even pre-adolescents, you really have to explain to them, okay, what does that responsibility look like? What does it sound like? What does it mean to be responsible? What does it mean to be a digital citizen? Exactly. Um, because that's carrying over to the school expectations. And I think it's really important for parents to really take a step and talk to, you know, the IT directors at the school, talk to, you know, the principals and say, you know, what are your policies in regards to cell phones? Because that's then just carrying over the expectation from school to home. So there won't be a disconnect. Well, I can use my cell phone till three o'clock in the morning at home. But when I get to school, I have to leave it in my locker. So then when the child receives the phone again, then it's almost like they're making up for lost time mm-hmm. and they're kind of being sucked into the social media and the missed cell, you know, the, the missed calls and the mixed, the missed text messages and everything that comes with it. Absolutely. Um, and so now kids are, are forming a very unhealthy, um, I think relationship with their phones um, be- only because they haven't been kind of educated and being able to have kind of that disconnect from the phone mm-hmm. and actually talking to people in real time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Having yes. face-to-face conversations <laughs> and dialogue is very important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> oh my goodness. And and you know, those are things that I see because you know I'm at the high school level. I right. see that at the high school level, you know, we you know, we discuss you know, we discuss, you know, digital citizenship and you know yeah. your your digital reputation and just being mindful of what you do and things like that. But mm-hmm. It's it's like you said. It's 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 not just the school or it's not just at home. It's it's a uh, it's a shared responsibility. It's a shared relationship. It's and a partnership. You a- absolutely. And, and you have to be like minded in that partnership when it comes to devices. And this is a side. You know, it's it's also cell phones, but it's also particularly for schools that are one to one. So mm-hmm. they have a device for every student. Where you know whether it's an iPad or laptop, particularly if they're able to take those school issue devices home, you know, and helping families to understand that, yes, this is part of your package, your tuition package, uh, particularly if you attend a private school, but this is still the property of the school. So whatever your child does on this school issue device can be traced um, and can be identified as inappropriate Right. And even though the school does their due diligence and digital citizenship and ongoing, you know, education with the students at the school, um, this is why I feel it's very important for parents to work in, in, in tandem with the school to understand what those policies are. So when that child brings that device home and the parent is noticing that the, that their child is trying to download an app on a school issued device, which is absolutely not allowed then mm-hmm. the parent can say okay i know for a fact you're not supposed to be doing this correct you know and so to be able to kind of have that education and you know with kids they're going to test boundaries they're absolutely. going to test limits it is part of their genetic makeup and developmental um stage where they are um that's going to happen um there's no going around it but you know just like as educators we educate ourselves and learning as much as we can about devices you know, the parents also have to educate 
as well. And I've also seen parents use these devices as a means to, okay, just go in the corner and keep yourself occupied. Um, But the the issue with that is that when the child then has a school issue device in their hands, it's hard for them to differentiate between, okay, is this something to play with or is this something that I need to do my work on? And if I have free time, then, you know, it gets, a, do you understand what I'm saying? It gets oh, a little definitely. cloudy in a child's mind. Oh, it, um, and, and I understand, you know, I don't have children yet, but I totally understand that when you're, you know, when you're on a plane, I just returned from Arizona visiting my family and my mother and my parents and my family. And I understand that, you know, parents, they have, you know, the headphones on, on the toddler and they're watching movies. That's totally fine. But right. I also saw kids that, you know, were playing video games. That's fine, too. But also there has to be a conversation with the, you know, with your child and understanding that, yes, this is a great device and you can play games on it. But when you switch over to school, okay, when you use this device, it's to be used for academic purposes exactly, only. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And it's so interesting. You make a really good point. Um, in a previous episode, I discussed um, uh, a moment when I was uh, finishing my second graduate degree. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had a moment where... I had to talk to my professor and I needed 45 minutes of uninterrupted time. And it was like, okay, what do I do to, you know, to keep, you know, peace so that I don't have, you know, two boys arguing for 45 minutes in the house and things like that. And, you know, I defaulted to that. Okay. I need you to sit here. You know, even though these were at home tablets, you know, Mm -hmm. here, just please be quiet 45 minutes, you know, and we had to do some unlearning with that. And, you know, you also made a good point about the home device, you know, um, versus, you know, the device issued by the school. Because, you know, with my, um, with, in my role in what I do at the high school level, I have these conversations with our ninth graders because, right. you know, we issue devices and we're a public mm-hmm. school. And I've yeah. had to have repeated conversations with some of my students, not all, yeah. um, and say, wait a minute, this is a school device. This is for yes. school use only. Why only. do we have these things on the device? And now you're here in my office with an assistant principal and yes. you know, we've had to have some cases where we've had to bring in, you know, campus police because things I mean, and like I said, these are older children, you know, because right. things have yeah, gotten yeah. a little bit, you know, dicey. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, to that point, let me ask you this. Um yeah on either their devices or their phones, have you seen things spill over from social media and text messages into the school, into the classroom? Have I? (laughs) (laughs) Right, because I was going to say, you know, I know I have. (laughs) Well, let me let me start off by saying I just want to go back for a little bit, you know, because I I did make the comment about parents using the device to keep children occupied. And I absolutely don't have an issue with it right as long as it's structured you know yes it, it's structured time so you right. have apps on there that you know it's audible or it's you know quizlet or it's some right. or you know it's something to a point that and they could be games it doesn't necessarily have to be educational games but what what i'm talking about is when parents are kind of handing over the devices without kind of the parental restriction right the kids pretty much just have carte blanche to download all of these apps that the parents aren't, you know, don't really understand what the apps are for exactly, and, what, and how the apps, you know, are used because there are some very, you know, deceiving apps out there mm-hmm. um, and that we have to, I'm continually educating myself every single day and half the time the kids are telling me about these apps that are out 
So that's what I was talking about. Oh. That as long as it's structured and it's it's something on the app that the parents are aware of, the parents downloaded those apps on that device and the kids are using it and the kids really don't have an opportunity to figure out kind of workarounds or circumvent in order to get things on that iPad. I find it to be extremely useful and beneficial. Oh, absolutely. Now, social media. Yes. <laughs> Have I seen things spill over? Oh, my goodness. So this goes back to my point of children who have kind of the opportunity to kind of have their cell phones on them at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I've been, I would say, over 80% of the disciplinary issues that I handle, social media has something or text messaging has something to do with it. Really? Whether it is a group text, whether it's an instant message conversation between two students, whether it's something that was posted on Facebook, on Instagram, a video on Snapchat, on TikTok, the list goes on and on and on. And so when students have the opportunity to have their cell phones with them, morning, noon, and night, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're on their cell phone, they're creating these group chats, and they're using these chats to communicate with people or to exclude people, then those things carry over to school. Right, right. Um, And so many times the issue is has something to do with friendships you know pre-adolescence is a lot to do with friendships right uh she doesn't like me i don't like her she said this in a text message and and if you remember earlier christine i mentioned about text messaging is now kind of replacing good old-fashioned face-to-face conversation Mm -hmm. well you know many a times students you know when you read a text message you know, there's many things that's missing. The cadence from someone's voice is missing. (laughs) And and the assumptions are made when you're typing, you know, words. And so when assumptions are made, the conclusions are made. And sometimes they're so far-fetched and totally off the radar from what the person was intending to say, it blows up into a hot, boiling mess. Exactly. And then they come to school and then myself or, you know, the principal is trying to dissect exactly what happened. And then we bring all the kids together and nine times out of 10, it's a total misunderstanding. Well, I thought you said when you said, girl, bye, you meant that you were going to hang up on me Mm. when it was simply just an expression. Right. I can't make this stuff up. This actually happens. Oh, really? Oh, wow. As you know, but it it definitely, it definitely spills over because many students, particularly students who may not want to communicate with that person that they have an issue with at school, they use texting and group texting uh, to replace that. See, and you know, that goes back to the digital citizenship that we were talking about earlier, how really essential and how important that is to incorporate that, not just in school, but also at home too. And you know, that is so real. And you know, one of the things that I tell parents, because um, I tell parents before a device comes into the house, be it a cell phone or a school issued device for educational purposes, you should honestly create a technology use plan. And one of the uh-huh. pieces that I stress, you know, to parents when they're creating their plan is to let their kids know some conversations are not meant for text messages. I also think some adults could learn that too. Um, yes, but that is so huge. And it's something, you know, you don't really think about, but you have to explicitly tell people this 
some things are meant for face-to-face conversations. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think when I, you know, when you were relaying that issue, that was the first thing in my mind. Like, yes, you know, this is why we tell, you know, parents and why we tell children, you know, some things aren't meant for text messaging. Some things are meant for you sit and chat. And I agree. And it's totally, and it's, it's a double-edged sword because social media, I mean, you know, Christine, you and I are on social media, you know, our friends, we communicate and we do that, but we're adults. Right. And so when you you have all of these social media platforms that are out there. And I really do consider social media for teens and tweens like the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to access. Right. You know, face, I mean, all of them. And they can even, you know, kind of, and I know many of them like Facebook, you have to be a certain age, but who's going to sit in, I, I don't, to this day, I don't know if Facebook really, you know, kind of holds true to they have to be a certain age to be on there. Oh, I mean, no, they their don't. Kids, you know, anybody has a Facebook page these days. Right. Um, with that kind of that instant messaging component. There are many games now, um, these app games, that mm-hmm. although, you know, it's kind of a global platform for kids to play with each other, you know, to play online with each other, there's an instant messaging component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really the avenue for kids, particularly kids in the pre-adolescent stage, that, you know, they, they pretty much say what they want without thinking. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and it's always kind of the, re- the regurgitation. It's like, you know, they say it and they try to, they try to take it back. It's the intent versus the impact right. that I have. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with students about that. Well, I didn't mean to say that. Right. Or I was just kidding. I was just joking. And I always have to reply, well, how, how, do, how does a person know you're joking when you sent that very explicit text message? Exactly. How do they know you're joking? Well, I was just kidding. But how do they know that? They didn't see your face. They couldn't hear the cadence in your voice. They couldn't see your body language. And so then they begin to reflect like, oh, you're right. That's text messaging is definitely not the way to communicate certain things. Like, no, it's not. But that's an ongoing conversation. I think not just for kids. I think for everybody. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I've seen, you know, um, with my um, both at work and, you know, a bit of it, you know, in talking to, you know, my own older son with that Uh has a cell phone, you know, I've seen stuff go back and forth on Instagram. They really like that. Um, I know Discord is another one. Um, Yeah. We have... That, oof, that's a lot of little things going on there. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, things things spill over and it's just, you know, there are things that just could be resolved with a face-to-face conversation. And it's like you said earlier in the conversation, you know, that, you know, they're still, their brains are still developing as well. So it's yeah. just all of these little pieces that are, you know, definitely, it's almost a perfect storm, you know. So. It, is, it, is a perfect, it is a perfect storm. <laughs> that's exactly right exactly it's like tropical storm insert you know you know (laughs) insert our teenagers there you know what i mean oh my goodness yes but let's talk about good things um because you know it's you know we've got all of these other things here but you know there are some really good things happening you know as it relates Uh to you know technology um i've heard of our teens and tweens really you know, doing some things and, you know, creating some really good content. Have you seen great things happen at school with students and their cell phones or even, you know, school issue devices or just digital devices? Yeah, definitely. I've seen so many wonderful things. You know, at my school, we 
we really make it a point to to make learning visible for mm-hmm. parents. Um, there's this app called Seesaw. Okay. And so it's an educational app for parents to really have an in-depth look of what their child is doing in the classroom. Okay. So anytime their child, um, each child is issued an account mm-hmm. that's connected to the homeroom teacher or the advisor. And every time a student finishes a particular activity or a project, they use their school-issued iPad and they take a picture of it. They have to write a caption um, and they send it and put it on their kind of seesaw page. And the okay. parent receives a notification and the parent really has all around access to their child's work. Oh, and it really wow. holds the, the, you know, the, each student accountable as well because they know in the back of their minds that, you know, I'm going to have to post this on Seesaw. My parents are going to see this. Right. I want to do my very best and try to do my very best. And, you know, rubrics are posted on there. Assessments are posted on there. Even students taking their iPads. I love to see students in the hallway. They're recording oh, videos, nice. um, doing role playing and reenacting favorite, you know, parts of a movie or parts of a book that they've read, a novel that they've read. Okay. And then doing video voiceovers. Um I've just seen so many wonderful things. Kids that are dominant auditory learners using the iPad, um, you know, to listen to their books. There are kids that, um, uh, you know, that are using Dragon um, that have difficulty typing. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, kind of a voice connection to be able to type. Okay. Um, There's so many things that I have seen that are, are, you know, positives. And also kids... It's a great way for kids to problem solve because, again, pre-adolescence, kids are forgetting things at school all the time. Right. And students coming up to me, Miss Nichols, I forgot my, you know, my worksheet. Or they'll send me an email and say, Miss Nichols, I don't have my worksheet. Um, and I'll say to them, okay, what's your plan B? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, they'll, and they'll send me an email. Well, I'm going to ask my friend to send me a picture of the worksheet. Or can I ask my friend to send me a copy via email or send okay. a screenshot? They come up with all types of things. Now, is it the way that I want them to complete the assignment? No, but the fact that they had enough wherewithal to come up with something. Because right. when I was in school, when we were in school, we didn't have that luxury. Exactly. You the worksheet at school, you just left it at school. Right, exactly. That that. Like, try um, again tomorrow. Like, yeah, it's not the way that <laughs> I would want it, but at least they really wanted to complete the assignment and exactly. they wanted to use that device or their cell phone in a way that was meaningful. Mm-hmm. I'm totally all for it. Absolutely. So, uh, many wonderful things going on in the classroom with devices. Absolutely. And I'd like to add, uh, I don't know if I ever told you about this just in our conversations. Uh, I have right now um, two sets of, I have some ninth graders and a 12th grader. They just spontaneously decided to start, uh, start their own podcast and I, love that. I know, isn't it amazing? I like it as well. And they're doing it all from their phones. And they came to me and, you know, they were like, Miss Stokes Beverly, this is what I'm trying to do. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, okay. They were like, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, well, how can I help you? And they're like, just be a sounding board. I was like, I love it. And you know, you have those educator moments and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm about to cry, you know? Yeah, so yeah, it was little, 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 just a little tear, right? Right. There. Just, just that you little tiny tear. Just a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them, the older one, um, the 12, somehow she was able to, um, she was able to visit NPR, uh, our local NPR studios and get some really? input. I know. 
all on her own. And this isn't even for class or anything. Right. I, I mean, and she was able to get some input from them. And, you know, so there she's working on hers and the ninth graders, they're working on theirs. So it's, you know, some good things are really, you know, sure. going on. And, you know, I wanted to make sure, you know, we mentioned this, you know, on this episode, because I feel like a lot of what's out there, it's like, you know, what's going wrong. And our yeah. kids are doing a lot of great things, right. you know, mm-hmm. you know, I want to amplify that, you know, mm-hmm. even more, you know, I even know some, twe- um, some tweens who are starting their own YouTube channels. You know that you've seen them out there, oh, that is great. Yeah, you absolutely. know, it's and, wonderful. you know, pushing out that content that they want out there. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. just totally amazing, you know, that is. so, you know, just to kind of wrap us up, um, I have, uh, I wanted us to talk about one last thing. So if you had to give three tips to parents as it relates to cell phone use for tweens and teens, um, what tips would you give them? Mm, That's a really good question. I would say first tip, number one, and I I actually did this a year ago. I actually went on Google and I typed just a simple phrase, which was top apps every parent should know about. Mm -hmm. And when I typed that in, it was kind of an image, and it had, like, the top 15 apps. Mm -hmm. It had the name of the app. It had a description of the app. And I think it's so helpful to understand the apps that your your child has on your phone. Yes. So you are made better aware of what's really going on. What I found amazing is that there is actually an app that – is a calculator. So it has the word calculator under it. It has a calculator icon. Mm -hmm. But if you tap on it, it's not a calculator. It's kind of a facade for kids to, you know, to have other pictures and text conversations and group conversations Mm -hmm. that are unrecognizable to parents. And so when I, and that was one, and that was like the top app that, that Google said that every parent needs to know about. Oh, wow. And there were a couple, a couple of disciplinary issues that I dealt with. This was like maybe four years ago uh-huh. that had a lot of information was on that secret app. Wow. Um, and then when the parents came in, they, you know, they said, well, it's just a calculator. And then when I tapped on it, all of this information came up. Oh my goodness. Um, pictures and videos and you know, kids, you know, they, you know, kids are getting together, talking about other kids at the school and recording it and, you know, trying to take it out, you know, trying to, you know, kind of put it on Facebook. And this is how a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of things get started within the schools in regards to social media. Not every time, but it is out there. Right. And it's worth talking about. But the number one thing I would say is definitely go on Google and just type in the apps, parents, um, need to know about. Okay. Um, this, the second thing I would definitely say, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is really contacting your school or um, uh, your school and really talking to the principal, talking to the administration, but most importantly, talking to the, you know, the technology department mm-hmm. and learning more and helping, you know, and asking them, you know, what have you talked about here at the school that my child needs to know? Right. And I understand that, you know, IT people, um, you guys are very diligent about, you know, putting in acceptable use policies at the beginning of the year right. and even having ongoing education um, throughout the year for kids, right. which is which is absolutely phenomenal. And as administrators, I absolutely love it. Um, but it tends to kind of stop when the kids get off campus because there's another set of expectations that are at home. Right. Which leads into my third 
tip, which is really under, you know, really sitting down with your child before you even give them a device and coming up with, you know, boundaries and expectations about how the device will be used. Um, I think it's very, very important that, you know, we're not going to have the devices at the dinner table when we're on family outings. If you want to take pictures, that's great. You know, um, at nine o'clock, the cell phone needs to come to my bedroom as a parent. Mm-hmm. I will give it back to you on the way out the door or when you leave the car to go to school. And really coming up with a set, you know, list of expectations. Absolutely. And I think I think I find that to be extremely beneficial because, you know, there is such a thing. Um, about, you know, with kids having a dependent, you know, being dependent on their cell phones. You know, Christine, I read an article on psychology today uh-huh. that there is something called the attachment theory. Have you ever heard of it? Um, I've heard of it in passing, um, but tell okay. me more and be sure to share the link with me because I want to put it in the show notes so that people okay, can read this too. Okay, I'm going to share it with you. I read this article a couple weeks and I was just absolutely blown away. So it's saying that the, that our cell phones kind of serve the same function as you know like the teddy bear that we had when we were kids really or like a blankie okay you know, i had a blankie when i was when i was a kid and i held on to it all the way up till first grade and mm-hmm. my mom was trying to take it away and i had a full-blown conniption fit because mm-hmm. i just carried this blanket around everywhere with me what do we do now we carry our cell phones everywhere oh, i have seen so students right. that have like a, a physical reaction when they've either lost their phone or they're let, or they left their phone at home. Like they are sweating, wow. they are crying, they are shaking. They cannot think. I mean, it's like they can't function without the phone. Wow. And I'm not saying everybody, but you know that unhealthy attachment is real. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I absolutely believe it because um, I've seen it in a teeny tiny dose at. You know, at my school, when I've taken their computers, their school issued computers for, you know, whatever reason, and I've seen them come and stop by like, so when can I get it back? Can I get it back now? I'm like, yeah, you know, (laughs) and it's like, yeah, okay. It's not that they, it's not that they even need to use it. It's just the fact that they need to have it close to them. Right. Exactly. And I think that's why it's important to kind of have those expectations. So the kids understand that. You know, you're not going to have this device in this house on you at all times. You don't have it at school at all times. You're not going to have it here, which will which will cause them not to have that. You know, it's such a stronghold for them. You know, it's it's like they have to I have to have my cell phone with me. But if you create boundaries at home um, and, you know, and and those shared set of expectations, and if they defy those expectations, okay, well then, you know, whatever you got, whatever the parents decide, then maybe you need to take a break from your phone for a couple of days. Exactly. Until, until you're able to understand what the expectations are. Because like I said, the kids don't have their cell phones, at least, you know, pre-adolescence. Now, high school's totally different, but I know for pre-adolescence and for many schools, you don't have your cell phone on you at all times. Many right. schools, you don't have your cell phone at all till the end of the day. Right, right. Um. And so if you go from that environment, if a child goes from that environment to at home where they're given their cell, you know, they have their cell phone back and they're just spending hours upon hours upon hours in their room with the door closed, not mm-hmm. in a shared space where the parents can see what they're doing. Oh, my goodness. I mean, of course, yes. the kid is going to investigate. Of course, they're going to try to find workarounds. Of course, they're going to try to circumvent. Of exactly. course, they're going to download apps. Um, parents just need to be very aware and kind of have those parental restrictions Um you know, on devices and fifth and sixth graders, 
you know, I tell parents all the time, parents come to me and say, you know, Robin, what device can we give our kids? You know, we do need to keep in touch with them. And I say to them all the time, look, you can go and get a track phone. (laughs) I know it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but But it works. It works. It was, <laughs> you can send text messages. You you don't have to worry about your child downloading apps. Right. But you can't do it on a track phone. Exactly. And, and it's not really. And some of the, you know, some of the, and some of the, I think models are not flip phones anymore. But at least it kind of gives the sleekness of, you know, kind of looking like a current phone. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have all the bells and whistles. Right. You know, and, and parents laugh at me, but I'm like, I'm dead serious. Exactly. You can't tell a track phone from a regular phone because it's the data plan. You can't really tell. Exactly. You know, exactly. and so those, those are my tips, you know, going on Google, finding out what those apps are, coming up with very clear expectations and guidelines at home that hopefully mirror what's going on at school to prevent that unhealthy attachment that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then really asking yourself, you know, having having a, a serious discussion, not just with your child, but really having a, a discussion with yourself. Like, does my child really need a cell phone right now at this moment? Mm-hmm. Is it a status symbol for my child, or do I really absolutely positively need my child to have a cell phone. Exactly. And if I do, and if she, you know, if he or she does, then we're going to get them a track phone. Right. Until, until they're old enough to understand all the other bells and whistles that come with the more sophisticated device. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think those are definitely excellent tips. I, if I'm going to add two of my own, my, yeah. um, the first one that I'm going to add is make sure you have your children's passwords. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Yes, yes. That goes without saying. Yes. I know, right? Yes. You'd be surprised. You yeah, would be I know. surprised. You're right. You're right. Yes. Right. You know, um, like at my, you know, at my school, you know, I've had parents call me and say, "Well, I can't access, you know, mm-hmm. my child's, yeah. you know, Google Docs, and there's some stuff going on." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Give me five seconds. Click, 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 click. Right. Here's the password. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?" Right. And I've said to kids mm-hmm. in front of their parents, "I'm gonna need you to make sure." mom and dad or you know your guardian they have those passwords yeah absolutely so that's definitely um one tip that i want to add and then a second one which i think is going i'm going to preface this and say this may be hard for some parents to hear but (laughs) we have to lead by example so yes that's so true so we might need to look at some of what we're doing as it relates to technology you know yeah are we, you know, kind of when we have those gaps of time, are we sitting there looking at our phones and kind of mindlessly, right. you know, looking at our phones? Because our kids are watching us and picking that up. Oh, they're watching. You they're, know, as much as they, they act like they're not. Exactly. They're watching. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? If it, I liken it to the idea, if, you know, our children pick up you know just little nuances about you know okay this is how for example you know this is how we keep the house clean this is how we do this surely they're picking up how to use a cell phone from what they see you know well yeah and also if you're you know as a parent if you're texting you know you're you're you know if you're a wife and you're texting your husband what do you want for dinner and your child sees you do that well then I'm sure the child is saying well I thought you said you know, why, why are you texting that? He's just downstairs. Right. And then the child will get the assumption that, well, I can just text anything. So then we're right, right back where we started, where kids are making the assumption that you can just text anything and everything. But as adults, you're absolutely right. We have to be able to set 
kind of that that expectation and that standard and to be able to not walk around with our cell phones all the time like you said which <laughs> creates that unhealthy attachment and exactly. you know i have two cell phones now i have my personal cell phone and my work cell phone that i and i have to carry around my work cell phone all the time in the event that teachers need to call call in they need a sub right so i have to be able to you know i'm still trying to figure out a, kind of a detachment from that but right. I have to keep it on at all times because I have to be aware that anything might happen right so it's tougher it's still tough for me too and as, a, as an adult and I don't know if anybody's really going to get it down to a science and figure it out a hundred percent but I do totally agree that we we have to be able to model what the expectations are in order for our kids to kind of understand that and be able to retain that and to be able to apply it to their exactly. lives exactly exactly yeah so, my friend, I thank you for coming on this well, episode. This was an amazing well, thank conversation. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. Yes, I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, everyone. This has been the uh, Digital Parenting Life podcast. We thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at the DPLpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the Digital Parenting Life Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the DPL Podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe to our show and share it with a friend. Until next time.